Welcome, you guys, to another episode of Journey Doses with Ash and Ty. We have one of our most favorite people on today. I'm really excited to have Holly Fowler joining us. She is an L.A. resident. She used to be in the Bay Area, but has been there for about a year or maybe a little bit longer now and has some exciting news where she is coming out full time as a health coach and she is an autoimmune warrior. And um, we're going to get to dive into all that. And just to let everyone know, Tyler and I are in different worlds. Um, The fun of traveling in our RV and having to commute for work and all that stuff. So anyways, he's in a different place, but he's here. Um, So Holly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to finally be on your guys' podcast. Oh yeah, girl. It's going to be a good time. Um, I wanted to, I mean... You just announced yesterday on social media that you are going full time as a health coach. You've been doing that for some time and we can dive into that. But before we go further into that, I want to take a step back and get a framework of Holly Fowler and all the bits and pieces that make up who you are. So could you just start us off by talking about like the elements and experiences that you have in your life that make you who you are? Oh man, where to start? Let's see. I was born in (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, well, I'm a South Carolina, like I'm originally from South Carolina. So if your listeners hear a Southern accent and they get really confused about why this LA girl (laughs) sounds Southern, that's why. So that does make up a, a big part of who I am as a person and just came out to California maybe six years ago. Um, but before that I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called ulcerative colitis when I was, it was the summer after my freshman year of college and it was a really sudden onset. I just woke up one day and was never better. Um, I, or sorry, that's a weird way of saying I woke up one day was sick and it just got worse from there. Um, and then was suddenly diagnosed with this autoimmune disease that was going to like turn my world upside down when the week before I was rock climbing on a rock face, like on the side of a mountain. And then suddenly I am like hospital bedridden. I lost 20 pounds. It was just a very traumatic experience for a 19 year old to go through. And they just gave me a diagnosis, gave me pills and we can talk about this more later, but then they just sent me on my way. I was like bawling in my, in my hospital bed. And they were, as they were giving me my discharge papers, they were like, well, see you later. Um, so that was a really defining moment in my life because then it sent me on this trajectory of like, okay, well, I'm just going to live the college life and party (laughs) and because these, these meds are going to do what they're supposed to do. And I can live my life how I want to. 
Um, and then I was in and out of the hospital every six months. And so then it, like years and years later, I just got so fed up. I, so I had moved to California and was just really fed up with this system that kept just like pumping me with meds and telling me I'd be okay. And so I went on this whole journey, thanks like a large part due to me moving to California and getting out of my, like where I'm from and like everything that I knew, it's like, I got to relearn what it means to be healthy and being in like the state of California, um, really helped me with that. So, um, yeah, I went on this whole journey of learning, relearning what it means to be healthy and how to take care of myself. Um, So I, and during that time I was working in corporate marketing. So I spent the last eight years in corporate marketing and never, it was always a really good job. And that's what I chalked it up to, but it was not something I was passionate about. I just happened to be good at it. So I kept doing it and it kept giving me good paychecks. Um, And that's what brought me out to California. So that's like big picture who Holly is, <laughs> feel free to ask And more so questions. much more, I'm sure. Oh yeah, that's just like broad strokes of where I came from. So was there some, you, you, you um, attribute moving to California as this big shift in your life that sparked you trying to understand your health journey in a different manner. Was there someone that you met or was there like a, uh, an exercise, like a, a studio that you started going to, was there something just a little deeper than, than being in California? Or was it literally just like, there's a culture here of health and fitness that you didn't experience in uh, North Carolina or South yeah. Carolina? Sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, on the West coast, the Carolinas are all the same. They're so all the same over there. It's just <laughs> the East coast, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so taking a little bit of a step back. So while I was still working in South Carolina, um, I had started exploring on my own and started doing a lot of research. There just wasn't a lot out there in 2014, 2015. And so a lot of it was on my own. And before I even considered California, I was going into my, I was going into my office with, um, my homemade kombucha that I had made my homemade granola and my coworkers were like, they were so grossed out. They were like, what is this? Like I was the hippie in the office and they were like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of. So, um, I would bring it in like Mason jars and bring like my homemade, um, I made kale chips once. And so I feel like I was always meant to be in California. I was just kind of displaced at birth. Um, And so I moved to California for a tech job at a startup company. And it was a health tech job because I knew that I wanted to dabble in healthcare. And it was, I was always circling around the health industry. I even was supposed to get my master's in public health, which is a whole other story and chose to move to California instead. And so I took a health tech job and that actually introduced me to, um, Oh yeah, this is a great plug. He now works with Dave Asprey, which is like so cool. Um, but he was a, um, 
a mentor of our early stage startup. His name is Dr. Matt Cook. Um, oh. Yeah. He's out, he's out here in, on Bascom. I actually tried to, to work with him recently. Oh, really? You should. T- I mean, have you talked to him? No. Oh, okay. Well, if you ever get a chance to talk to him, like tell him that you know me. We could just help each other out a little bit here. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So this was before he started his own um, oh. his own business. He was, and this isn't meant to be a plug for Maddie, but um, <laughs> he was an anesthesiologist at, um, I think at Good Sam. And he was a mentor at our startup. And so it was really cool. He recognized right away, um, like what I was going through. He knew, um, like the struggles of ulcerative colitis. And so he kind of took me under his wing and like did helped me run all of these tests and like wow. did allergy testing and really like guided me towards a healthier lifestyle for like for ulcerative colitis. So it was really amazing. Um, and he introduced me to another amazing woman and I'll just, I'll plug her as well as Barbara Branneman, who is now one of his business partners, but she's an amazing yoga instructor. And so she's also of the alternative medicine mindset. And so the two of them really, really helped me out and figuring out what the heck I'm supposed to do how I'm supposed to eat, how I'm supposed to live to not just fully rely on this medicine that, that the doctors in South Carolina were telling me. Um, so yeah, I, I attribute my introduction into California and then the lifestyle and, and figure beginning to question how I had been living and how I'd been depending on medicine to, to them a hundred percent. Well, I know Tyler's probably thinking a similar thing here about the medicine, um, or at least some point where I'm, I'm curious to ask this. So, you know, in our culture and in, in the United States, we definitely live in this culture where if you're ill, pop a pill. And I know that you still, you know, you're, ex- you're explaining this story of how you were heavily using medication and moving out to California and being introduced to alternate um, ways of your healing. And I definitely want to talk more about what it is specifically that you do. But first, like, how do you face that stereotype of pop a pill if you're ill? Like, how did you step away from medication, but create a healthy relationship with it? Because I know in some situations and some phases of life, you're still using some medication. So I imagine you've kind of created a healthy relationship of understanding when medication can help you and when these other modalities need to play a part. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great question. So going back a little bit to South Carolina, my last year there, I, um, was, I went so far the other way where I, and I do think that diet can heal, but I, I wouldn't say I had an eating disorder, but I definitely had disordered eating of some kind because I was so focused on my food. I was obsessed with everything that I put in my body to the point where I couldn't enjoy going out with my boyfriend at the time. I couldn't like, I refused to eat anything that I didn't cook. And, um, I, I did go fully off my medicine and was on 
you know, just this healing diet for a little over a year and it allowed me to train for a marathon. But I, I realized that, (laughs) that there's more to it than just obsessing over your diet because like, I think mile 18 of my training journey, I started flaring with my autoimmune disease again. And it's, I mean, my diet was locked in, but like every other part of my, (laughs) my lifestyle was not. And I was relying a hundred percent on my diet alone. And I couldn't figure out why I got sick. I was so stubborn. I ran the marathon anyway, when I was really <laughs> sick and that's a whole other like, can of worms. I do not recommend that. Um, but so then I was really sick and had to go back on medicine because diet wasn't going to bring me out of that pit that I put myself in. So now years later, I, I really think that there can be like a happy balance where like, yes, medicine, sometimes you're so, so sick that you have to take it to get back to like your, um, your like neutral zone, like get back to normal. Um, but then from there, like, how do you flourish? How do you actually feel good and have energy and you can actually thrive because when you're just focused on meds and then you let everything else go, like you're not thriving there either. So I feel like now I have kind of a happy balance where I am on a biologic, but I also am not neglecting the stress in my life or what I'm eating or the amount of caffeine that I'm putting in my body or the amount of stress through exercise that I'm putting on my body. So I think both play a part. Um, it's just taken me years to, to get here. How do you do oh, Tyler's got a question. Go ahead. <laughs> pick me, pick me. Um, <clears throat> got it. So much I want to touch upon, but I think, um, Holly, would you mind explaining what an autoimmune disorder is for people to understand a little bit more because they are becoming much more prevalent and common in society. And it's kind of a newer situation, which is probably why Western medicine is a little bit behind with it. Absolutely. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of autoimmune diseases out there now. Some don't even have names for them yet, but ultimately an autoimmune disease is when the immune system refuses to function properly. So we have cells in our body that are there to our cells and our immune system that are there to protect us from outside infection, outside antibodies, whatever it is that's trying to attack our body. And the immune system ultimately gets confused and thinks that these good cells are actually bad cells. So then they attack each other. And depending on what the autoimmune disease is, is usually where those are located. So mine is in my colon. So it affects my digestive system, Crohn's disease, which is very similar to ulcerative colitis, but Crohn's disease can affect, uh, can affect just the entire digestive system from the mouth all the way down. Whereas ulcerative colitis is just in the colon. Um, so that is, that is in very, very short terms, what an autoimmune disease is. And 
they don't know, always know how they are, how they come about. So right now they're trying to figure that out. I mean, some are purely environmental. Some are purely from, from stress. Like if you've had a really, really stressful life altering event in your life, it could trigger an autoimmune condition to appear that wasn't already there. It could be from genetics. My dad has Crohn's disease. My aunt died from colon cancer. My, like my other aunt has esophageal cancer. So I have a lot of GI issues already in my family. I don't, I don't think that it's purely one, like purely genetics or purely environmental or purely some, there's like a third one. Um, but I think it's a little bit of everything. How about epigenetics? Ooh, Which is pretty what? much. I, I don't know enough to talk about epigenetics. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm no, no professor on the subject either, but um, something that my teachers invite me to consider is um, it, as far as env- environmental uh, expression of a disease, uh, a lot of it has to do with belief. So the way that our mind approaches the way we are meant to be. So if, right. Yeah. It's the deeper meaning behind illness and disease. If anybody decides to go there and that's a whole, whole can of worms that we can totally get into if you'd like. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that. I don't talk a lot about that because I don't want people to feel like I'm crazy. Um, but that is, (laughs) but you are. (laughs) I am. am. (laughs) Oh yes. Trust me. All of my South Carolina relatives and friends already think that, um, (laughs) but no, I completely agree. And actually this year, it's funny you say that this year I've been exploring a lot more into how our minds, how strong our minds are when it comes to our health and how it can be detrimental or how it can be healing. And I've been reading, I've just been binging a lot of Joe Dispenza mm-hmm. <laughs> recently and trying out some of these things on myself. So one book um, for the audience is You Are the Placebo. And I love it. So essentially mm-hmm. it is the, like, he has meditations that, Uh, guide you through visualizations and how you walk yourself through healing your own body. And by doing that, you ultimately do heal your body and vice Mm. versa. If you go through a traumatic event and you cannot get out of replaying that loop over and over and over in your head, the body doesn't know the difference between the actual event and you reliving it in your mind. And so by constantly thinking about this traumatic event every day, all day, every day, like you're reliving that event and the stress and the inflammation caused by that stress is constantly prevailing in your body. And that ultimately creates the disease in your body. Yeah. I could talk about this forever. It really interests me, but I'm just on the, I'm just beginning to learn about it. I I love this conversation actually. So we can continue on with it. (laughs) Not that any of us are professionals in the subject, but we have our experiences so we can speak to those. But there's a couple other resources as well that I, I recommend to a lot of my clients. Uh, one being The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, and another being When the Body Says No by Gaber Mate. And pretty much it, it 
speaks to, well, the biology, biology of belief is how our thoughts, how our mind, our subconscious thoughts, really, um, the stories that we tell ourselves affect the body. And obviously you can read the book and get into that much deeper. And then uh, when the body says no, it's more about how trauma is influencing the body. Um, and this can manifest in a ton of different ways. Autoimmune could mean something. Um, something I discuss with my father a lot is joint issues. Uh, a lot of people just say, oh, it's genetics. And there's kind of this, oh, poor me, I'm just going to blame genetics. Sorry, people. It's not just genetics. The way you're living is affecting your experience. Okay. Take some responsibility. Um, and, you know, and if you do take responsibility, then it's going to give you some empowerment, if nothing else. You might not fix your problem, but at least there's some volition on your part to, hey, I can, I can do something about my health, which you've done really well in my experience of seeing you um, go through your process and especially share your process. I, I fucking love what you put out there for people. It's so, so honest and real. And I think when people see how challenging your experience is, but you've not quit and you're still working to approach yourself in a holistic manner, it's really inspiring for people. Thank you. I was actually just talking to my business coach about this yesterday where, um, I don't necessarily like think of my experience fondly, but I also don't harbor any bitterness. Um, like my, my mom still will occasionally text me. She still thinks about like ways that she could have been the reason that she caused my autoimmune disease. I'm like, no, it's like, we're mm. so far past that. It's not, it's not your fault. It's not my fault. I don't hold bitterness over my life situation. Maybe there was a time that, in the first few years that I did rightfully so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like it really sucks. And I allow myself to feel that really when I'm in my darkest places, but, um, and again, my mom, I'll always think about this. My, so my last flare up was a year and a half. I'm still technically, it lasted a year and a half. I'm still technically not in remission, but I feel like I am. Um, but endoscopically, I don't, I'm not quite there yet. But anyway, when I was at my worst, I would just go for a walk. And um, I posted that a lot on my Instagram and it happened to be during the pandemic. So like on top of being sick, there's the pandemic stress and like, um, you know, just a lot of other things due to the pandemic. And I was on a walk and calling my mom and I would just like, let it all out to her. And she told me like vocalized basically what my process is, is she was like, you can choose the darkness that I feel right now for you, or you can choose to keep fighting. And I'm feeling emotional just thinking about this because I feel like that's a mm. daily choice um, when I'm sick and it's like, yeah, do I just let the darkness and the bitterness and the anger of like this thing that I can't really control, um, take over me, um, again, and then like the manifesting that would just manifest more sickness in my body, or I could just keep fighting and choose to like help others and make this more of like a learning experience for others. And so 
that's, it's helped me as much as I hope it's helped my audience um, when they're trying, when they're in the, that dark space as well. That's a great transition. I mean, there's so much that you said, and there's so many other things that I, I thought I would talk about first, but let's just go with it. I, as I mentioned in the beginning, you are coming out as um, full-time health coach. So you've been in the marketing world, you've been a health coach, you have clients, you've been doing that work, but you've also had your nine to five job. And as of this week, you're announcing that the marketing job is gone. I think you said you took a week in Mexico to, which I, thank you for doing that. Like and if anyone's transitioning between, Oh, cute. Puerto Varata, Nice. That's wow. a like, nice little token for this huge <laughs> transition of life. It's a mug she's holding for everyone that can't see. Um, so just props to you for allowing yourself to take a vacation in the midst of a big transition of life. I think that's incredibly important. Um, but I first, my, my first question is before we talk about the transition of going full time, which I think there's so much to talk about because I think there are so many people right now leaving their jobs or getting laid off from their jobs and kind of getting kicked in the butt about like, what is it that I'm really passionate about? And what do I really want to do? How, what is it that would make me happy? And a lot of people are considering starting their own businesses. So there's a lot to talk about there, but first, like you've been doing it already. So how do you go from, this is my journey and I'm working on healing my own autoimmune disease. And how do you go from that to realizing that you really want to help others? What was it that played a role that helped you understand, oh, I, I'm very passionate about helping other people? So I, I had started healing my own bodies, bodies, plural, my body. <laughs> um, Already in slip. Yeah. <laughs> um, I started healing my own body um, and experimenting with, alternative medicine and that type of thing in my diet. And I like through my parents or through like friends of friends or people on Instagram, I started getting a lot of questions like, well, how are you doing this? Um, what type of medicine are you on and how do you feel on it? What, what, what do you eat? What do you not eat? And so I got a ton of questions thought, oh my gosh, like, is this actually like something that's interesting to people? Because this is just my life. And I, I mean, I seriously got so many questions and it was the same ones over and over again that I decided to start a blog and put all of those answers in my blog. And that was in 2016. And I was not happy in my job at the time and wanted to monetize this blog. And I just, I couldn't figure it out. Like, it just wasn't something that came natural to me. And I gave myself a few months and it just obviously giving myself a few months now is kind of laughable. Like getting things off the ground takes more than like a couple months. Um, but I went back to corporate and I never gave up the dream. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. A fly hovering around my head right now. Um, I never gave up that dream and you know, my audience started to grow. I kept getting questions. I kept like getting people reaching out to me and telling me their story and how inspiring my story was. And so I just kept growing it on the side 
while I was working in corporate jobs. And I realized, you know, it was off and on. So I really wanted to make this something and I just had no business sense of how to make it work. So I would build like the outline of a course and then drop it. And then I would build a fitness program and then drop it. I would, I did all of these things on the side and nothing happened with it. And so I got like in 2020 last year, I was so sick and just, I just felt like there is a, I mean, we all felt the heaviness. There was a lot of heaviness. There was just a lot of things happening all at once. And I just started reading because I felt like there was nothing else in my control. So I just read a lot (laughs) and read business books, read inspirational books, read books about female entrepreneurs, um, about finance and all of these things that I didn't know about previously. And so we were driving up to one of, um, Cody's, my husband's, uh, golf tournaments for work. And it just uh, like occurred to me that I, because I love, I love hearing people's stories. I love sharing my story with people. I, it's the best thing in the world to feel like what I'm going through has a purpose. Um, that if I can share just a little bit about what I've gone through and what helps me, if that can change the course of somebody's health, then absolutely I'm going to do that. That's not even a question. And so last year, it was one of the books that I was reading. Um, and I just like, it was a female entrepreneur named Gina DeVee. And I closed the book. We weren't even talking about anything. We were driving up to Napa. I closed the book. I'm like, it's time. I'm going to build my business. Like it's time. I said, I'm either going to, I'm so sick of myself. I'm sick of hearing myself talk. I'm like, I know you're tired of hearing about this. I'm like, so I'm either going to do this a hundred percent or I'm just going to drop it all together because I can't do this like halfway dabbling thing. And I don't even know like what else we were talking about, but he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of it. Like by the time we got to, um, by the time we got to Napa, cause I, I told him that like, I'm going to build this business. I need to do health coaching. I've already got my certification. It's just sitting there, like getting dusty on a shelf, not doing anything. I've got this website. I've got this Instagram following that's growing. And this is just something that I need to do, but I'm not going to do it halfway. I'm going to hire a business coach or I'm not going to do it at all. And so by the time we got to Napa, there were fire, like the fires were happening in Napa and it was the pandemic. So I wasn't allowed on the course, nor did I want to be because the air was so bad. So he left me in the hotel room to work. And I was in the hotel room by myself for like five, six hours. And when he got back, I said, so I hired a business coach and I start on Monday. (laughs) I love it. I'll make it happen. I'll make it work. But this is, this is happening. <laughs> how do you go through the process of finding a coach and how did you realize that that was imperative to your process? Like, I know like there's, you know, there's so many categories to talk about with you, but I am just so curious about um, shedding light on that. Cause like I said, so many people are interested in starting their own businesses. So how did you know that getting a coach was important for you and how did you do it? Yeah. So um, this is a good 
This is a good message for entrepreneurs and coaches out there to stay persistent with their marketing because I've been following this girl, Leah Gervais, for probably over four years when I first started my blog. And I followed her consistently, just watching like her grow, her clients grow. And so when it came time for a business coach, like I already knew who I wanted. So, I mean, there are like hundreds of thousands of business coaches out there, but I really related to everything she was posting. And she had a group program that was called scale your side hustle, which was literally what I wanted to do. So when it came time, I just, I reached out we had like talked a little bit before over Instagram messages. And I, I asked like, Hey, I know you have this program. Um, does it happen to be open right now? And she's like, you will not believe this, but the doors just closed on Friday, but I'll let you in. We start on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) So she only had four, three or four, um, like times of enrollment that year. And I had just like, happened to get it at the right time. So it just it felt meant to be, yeah, it was meant to be amazing. So let's talk about the decision. So you've talked about like, you know, it was a, a year or so ago that you were like, okay, I'm going to go in full time. I'm going to create this business, but you were still technically full time somewhere else. So how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, I need to let go of my nine to five. Like what were the factors at play that told you to take this leap of faith? So have one, having a business coach really helped because I like by having someone there with accountability and guiding me and putting the structure structures in place and all of the frameworks for creating a, a real true business helped. Um, But even so, I would say even like four months ago, I thought there's no way like I need like at the beginning of the year in January, I sat down with Cody and was like, okay, here are my milestones. Um, When I reach this certain amount, then I'll, then I'll think about quitting. And just so you know, I haven't made that milestone. I'm not even close. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It got to this point where, um, just me physically with my amount of energy and like acknowledging that I do have an autoimmune disease. I can't do business the way that everyone else does business. So it has to look different for me. And I got to this point where I was tapped out energetically. Cause I had, you know, discovery calls with potential clients, um, my coaching calls with existing clients, marketing, all social media, writing emails. So doing all of that around my nine to five, I was completely tapped out. There was no room physically or energetically to take on more than I currently had. So I was at this like very critical point where I wasn't quite making enough to like justify that. So it was definitely a leap of faith, but what I did and, um, my business coach really helped with this because every on our weekly call, every time I would ask a question and she would respond with the question of like, okay, but when's your quit date? (laughs) Well, I don't have one. She's like, okay, well let's get one. And then we'll work from there. So I set a quit date. I looked at the calendar, like figured out what made sense, what felt good to me. And I landed on a date (laughs) 
and it was really terrifying, but I did it far enough out in in advance where I felt like I had some cushion and I really thought, and I stuck to it. I'll say I stuck to the date. I thought that I would feel anxiety leading up to the date. I had no anxiety, like none at all. I'm a person that if there is if the decision is wrong, if there is something that doesn't feel right, I feel it so heavily in my body (laughs) that I can't function. And that's how I know, like, that's not what I need to do. I felt it. I felt so calm, so light, so at peace leading up to it. I mean, the like moment I had to say it to my boss was pretty like nerve wracking. Um, but then after that, I felt great. Like, my three weeks notice. Everyone was like completely taken aback at, at work, but, um, but I felt great the whole time. And that's how I knew that that was, that was the right move for me. I love that you're talking about being in tune with your body. Go ahead, Tyler. I was literally just going to say that. I think that probably through your experience of having to be so attuned to your body that you like you're so sensitive to what you're experiencing which is fucking fantastic i'd say so many people are disconnected from their bodies and listening to their bodies um and sometimes hardship is what teaches you to be sensitive to something right um so it sounds like you're you're really attuned to that is that something that you teach people in your in your coaching program how to be attuned to their bodies and be aware of what's going on within them You know, we touch on it. It's not a main pillar, but that's a really interesting point that you bring up because I've always talked about it for myself, but haven't really taught um, my clients. But that's a really good point and something that I think would be really helpful for them because what I what I teach is is kind of similar. It's like listening to your body and knowing like in terms of like, should you exercise today? What type of exercise? Like, should you do yoga or do you feel good enough to lift weights? Like your body will tell you whether you have the strength to lift weights or not. And then it's up to you to know or up to you to follow it. And if you don't, (laughs) then you're going to feel it the next day or even probably during, it's not going to be enjoyable. Um, And the same with food. I think food is a little trickier with my clients because they have a, like a a strained relationship with food, having a digestive disease. Um, but it is definitely something that, well, actually, no, it is helpful. I do teach them like afterwards, if you eat something, like, how does it make you feel? Like, do you Mm -hmm. feel light or do you feel like it suppressed your immune system even more? Cause I, Mm. I can feel it almost immediately, whether it was good or bad for me, which is like such a, I can't even describe it, but like, I can tell, like, do I feel lighter or do I feel like I'm physically like being pressed down? So I, yeah, I, in a way I do teach that, but I, I like how you highlighted that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm thinking from my own perspective of coaching with some of my clients and uh, receiving coaching myself and in, in the way that we work is, you know, when it comes to a certain emotion, typically, or story or experience from our past, what does it feel like in our body at that present moment as you're considering it? So yeah, I was just posing the question. But um, something else that came to mind as you were sharing that, um, 
the the consideration for you and your clients is okay you've eaten a food uh how do you feel afterwards sometimes the after part is a problem right it's like okay shit i fucked up and now i'm gonna pay for it (laughs) which can be hard have you ever heard of muscle testing i have i'm really interested in it I've never had it done on myself, but like, should the opportunity present itself, I would be really interested in that. So pretty much, and the reason why I bring it up is because, and you could do this for yourself. Um, there's ways to muscle test yourself. Ashley's a, a skeptic on this one. She doesn't believe that it works, but I'm I a don't believe believer. you can do Just, it for yourself because I think that you have a bias and you have to be able to step aside and have some truth with yourself to be able to do it for yourself. Okay. Well, even if it's not muscle testing, you could use a pendulum. There's different ways to, to test. And, and the reason why I bring it up in general is like, um, what if before consuming a food, and this goes for anybody who uh, has a problem with food, uh, whether it's autoimmune or any relationship distortion, um, muscle testing the food that you're about to consume beforehand and seeing what your bo- body responds with before you consume it could be a really interesting practice. I mean, I should apply it for myself as well, but for anybody really, it's an interesting technique to possibly use. No, I really like that. I'm going to, can you do it? Like, how do you learn how to do it? There's literature. There's actual like studies around it as well. Um, I want to say John Diamond is the originator and the first person to study it in regards to like superficial uses. And by superficial, I mean like practical uses. Um, uh, David Hawkins uses it in his book. So if you've heard of like power versus force or letting go, he uses it um, for more like spirituality and emotion and stuff like that. But uh, our teacher, John McMullen, who is the emotional coach that we've, we've learned from, uh, he uses it for things like discovering if somebody has suppressed a, a traumatic memory, he'll muscle test to, to discover when that traumatic experience was or, or random things like that. You can use it for a lot of different things. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty woo woo. Like, like I said, like, Ashley was super it. skeptical when I first busted it out on her. She's like, nah, this is bullshit. But uh, it, it does take practice as well. So reading up on it and practicing is key. Yeah, I'm going to look into that because that's really, that's fascinating to me. And I'm all about the woo-woo, so. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm glad I brought it up then. I love like what this is like showing for me, Holly, is like you are a learner, like you love to learn and you always are wanting to know more. And just like even through this conversation, you know, it's like, huh, you know, like you are open to considering what, you know, what it is that you're interested in, what it is that you operate from and how that funnels in to the work you do with your clients. So like what does your um, program with your clients look like from discovery call through what, what is your, um, like protocol? Yeah. So with the discovery call it, it, we start off and just, I learn about them, see what their greatest challenges right now, how I can hopefully help them and what that 
program will look like. So I offer one-on-one and group coaching. And so I kind of get a feel for whether they would be a good fit for group coaching or if they really need it, like a truly tailored one-on-one coaching experience um, and which one they would benefit from the most. And so then I guide them through that path. Now, uh, group coaching is a little bit more structured. I work on work through four different pillars with them, um, focusing on an anti-inflammatory diet and what that looks like, like practical ways to like, um, over overhaul your kitchen in affordable ways and how to meal prep and how to meal plan to heal your body. Um, also exercise, And I use exercise loosely. I actually like to say the word movement because a lot of my clients, you know, can't fully exercise what, with what traditional exercise looks like, but, you know, um, working in the garden or going grocery shopping totally counts (laughs) towards movement in my book. And so it's teaching them how to move their bodies in ways that are, again, are healing for them and, and teaching them, like we mentioned earlier, teaching them how to listen to their body and know what type of movement works for them and what doesn't. Also lifestyle, managing stress, um, learning how to meditate, journaling, mindful practice, mindfulness practices that they may not have um, been practicing otherwise to manage the stress, manage their anxiety and the things that are going on around them. And then also Oh, actually I, I put those two together, lifestyle and mindset. So lifestyle, managing stress, managing anxiety, and all of the environmental factors around them. And then also mindset, which is the like journaling and meditation and um, just generally being more mindful around them. So um, those are the four pillars that I typically work on with my clients. Group is more community-based and where they get to like interact with other people similar to themselves, as well as with me, I have one for chronic illness and one for entrepreneurs, which I think is really fun. Um, Hmm. and then one-on-one coaching, it's, it's a lot of that, but it's very specific to them and we work through their challenges week by week and they have full access to me, um, in between calls too. What does success look like for your clients? Great question. So what I love about working with my clients is that their success always looks different from client to client. So, um, so one client could like their goal is weight loss. So losing 10 pounds by the end of working together would be success for them. For another client, she had trouble over-exercising despite being in a flare-up, despite um, having other health issues. She had a bad relationship with exercise. She just needed to exercise even if it was detrimental to her. And so we ju- every, week by week, we just talked it through, um, like got to the root of why she ever exercises and finding movements that work better for her. Um, But overall, I would say like most of them want to feel more energetic. They want to feel better. They want to be able to 
enjoy life and do the things that they enjoy. So that's what they all have in common is that they just want to feel better, figure out how to manage this disease in a way that feels good to them and to be able to participate in and enjoy life. So that's the overarching success, but they all may look microscopically different. I love that. Tyler, do you have anything that you want to add or ask? Where do you want to go from here? <clears throat> um, not in regards to that, but I'd say, um, for, for, yeah, I mean, I'm really curious about your mindset in the non-flare-up times as well. So, um, you know, you're feeling good and you're able to do a lot more than you would typically be able to do in, in the times of flare up. Do you ever notice fear come up in those times and how do you manage the fear so that that fear doesn't constrict you and actually enjoying when you're not flared up? You guys have literally the best questions. <laughs> <laughs> Don't flatter us. Our egos are already so big. <laughs> Um, I think this is something that isn't talked about enough. So I'm glad that you brought it up. So my mindset in non flare up times, I think I've gotten a little bit better about it. My husband may disagree, <laughs> but he's not on here. Today. Oh, sorry, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have his moment. <laughs> um, but my non flare up. So I've gotten a little bit better about just being more even keel, but a lot of people with chronic illness have this tendency to go above and beyond. So like you feel better for like a day. And so then you want to clean the house and grocery shop and go shopping. And like, you want to hang out with all of your friends, all of your family, do all the things. And then you drop off because you use up all of your energy and then you're sick again. Um, so it's this vicious cycle where you're like, I'm on top of the world, but then you like go over the top and then you crash. Um, I still am not perfect (laughs) with that. And I wouldn't say it doesn't always end in sickness, but it, it definitely ends in fatigue and me on the couch watching Netflix for a couple of days. (laughs) Um, but ultimately I think I'll get to fear in a minute because I think that's a really good point, but with being in remission and a non flare up, I think people with chronic illness have a stronger appreciation for life and the, even the like everyday things that we can't do. Like I, okay, well, I don't love taking my, you know, my dog, but I don't, I never (laughs) love taking her for a walk. (laughs) She's special, but but I love <laughs> the ability. I love that I can because, um, you know, Cody travels a lot for work. And so I'm the main caretaker for Kona. And so when I'm sick, I, it is a, it is a whole ordeal to take her out. Like just being brutally honest, like, all right, adult diaper goes on. I can maybe make it a block. I have no energy. I just like, it's a, it's just a huge energy suck. And so now I'm like, Kona, we're going to go for like half mile walk just because we can. And so just like those little things, like you can take, 
enjoy taking the dog for the walk, or you can like go to Marshall's and not have a panic attack trying to find a bathroom or worrying if there's going to be a bathroom. So I think we just have, um, our, I can't, I, I don't want to speak for the whole community of chronic illness, but generally speaking, I have a much stronger appreciation for life and just want to do all of the things because for so long I wasn't able to. So that does sometimes make me have to rest. Um, but overall it's just an enjoyment of life. And that is, we have a lot of, a lot of low, like low lows. And so it balances out with some really high highs and, So I think that's really great that we get to, I get to really have this fresh perspective on life. Um, Now, in terms of fear, it's actually something that I work through with my clients quite a bit that they bring up that I hadn't really thought of in my own life, but it's true. So I could be going along and having like a really great day, a really great week or month, and then we'll have a day of feeling symptoms and those, and it's a common theme among all of my clients. So they'll have a weekend where they don't feel good and they're having symptoms and they will start, I I myself will start spiraling, like thinking, oh my gosh, it's happening again. I cannot believe that it's happening again. I'm going to end up back in the hospital. I was just in the hospital. I can't go back. Like true fear and true panic. Um, afraid that it's coming back again. And I've gotten a lot better about it, about managing it. Um, I have a lot of practices with like just stopping what I'm doing and going and meditating and laying on my bed for as long as I need to, until my body calms down and my mind calms down, um, and retraining my brain to like, not think worst case scenario, like, like, trading out those thoughts for, for better ones and reminding myself, it's a very active process. Like you have to like swap out those thoughts and not let them take root in your body. Um, Mm. that's something that I have to work with my clients on a lot is because that fear, because we've experienced so much medical trauma from having a chronic illness that it's still, still rooted so deeply within us that the second you start feeling symptoms. You just go right back to that position of like, you're in the hospital bed hooked up to an IV. So I think reprogramming your brain to not automatically go to worst case scenario is probably one of the like most common things that I work through with them. Pick me again. Pick me again. (laughs) Tyler. (laughs) Going on further into that. um, What I'm hearing is, is you're experiencing um, a traumatic reminder when symptoms arise, right? And maybe the the trauma in the body is this first experience, your first flare up when you first discovered that you had an autoimmune condition, you were hospitalized. Maybe it's that and maybe it, it comes from deeper, right? Whenever the trauma comes from, there's a part of you that remembers that. And every time you feel a symptom, it's a reminder. So do you th- think that there's value in some sort of traumatic, like specific trauma healing from those experiences so that that fear can be reduced? Oh, I, I, yes, 
I do think that there would be strong value in that. And I, I think that the term medical trauma is only just recently being used in the last few years and being normalized and mm. really calling it what it is. Um, I, I mean, having a sudden onset at 19 years old and losing 20 yeah. pounds in two weeks and being hooked up to IVs and being sedated around the clock, that is true medical trauma. And I actually studied abroad in Spain two years, wait, no, two years later was hospitalized again in Spain. It was more traumatic because mm. I didn't speak Spanish very well at the time. They had no interpreters. I had no family. My host mom didn't speak English. I was there for eight days and no one would tell me what was happening. They were telling me I was going to have to have surgery. They were like, it was the worst experience of my life. And so then flash forward two or three more years, I went back to Spain in a healthier manner than like partying on the beach, studying abroad, (laughs) um, didn't get hospitalized, but I got sick from the flu needed fluids. So I had to go to the ER to get just like a bag of fluids and not realizing like I never really processed the experience in Spain of being hospitalized. And it was like Mm. in just a horrible manner um, with no support. I never processed that. No one even thought to like, tell me that I needed to process that. I just like buried it and moved on with my life until I went to the ER in Madrid three years later, just, just for fluids. And they laid me down in a very similar bed, the hospital, it was different hospital, different city, but it looked similar. And they put an IV in my arm just to get fluids. And I laid there and had a total panic attack. They had to come and like, hold me down. I was trying to take out my IV, like telling them like, no, I've got to get out of here. I've got like, I cannot be in here right now. Like I can't breathe. And they like, and the nurses had to like hold me down. They're like, you're not stuck here. Like you're just getting fluids. You're fine. Yeah. Um, and so that really like it, like thinking back on it, like, I wish that I had, the tools to process and identify what had happened to me those three years before, because I mean, that easily could have been prevented and the same way with like getting these symptoms as triggers. I I think it's something that needs to be talked about and addressed more. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many unconsidered traumatic events, like yes, I'm going to a hospital to get better or be saved and the end result could be positive. Guess what? It's fucking hard and the body can be traumatized from it. People don't realize that actually having an elective surgery is actually a physical trauma and the body will remember that. Um, And, you know, that's a whole wormhole that we don't have to go down. But uh, yeah, it's important to consider how trauma can come from all these unexpected ways uh, and to do something about it. Absolutely. I love everything. Um, I (laughs) (laughs) just full of love over there. Are you? I don't have a follow up, but I, I really am enjoying everywhere. This conversation is going. I don't 
particularly oh, I, have... I can continue I can continue to probe. I got I got plenty of stuff over you here. Yeah, lots of lots to probe with for. Okay, this great. Just makes I do. I do. We need to have a a follow up to this podcast episode where we actually hang out and talk for hours. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. god, absolutely. There will totally um, but be seriously, more. Seriously, seriously, um, I want to. Uh, talk about what it's like to be in romantic relationship while going through such a difficult experience. Thank you, Tyler. That's a great one. Fantastic question. And um, again, I think you should ask Cody this too, because I think it's really interesting Mm. to hear from a significant other. Yeah. Um, So again, diagnosed at 19, super awkward, like (laughs) my freshman and sophomore year of college. Um, And I buried it like as much as one could bury a life altering disease on a campus of 500 people. So Mm. my college had 500 people and I was in and out of the hospital every six months. Um, So I just, but even though I would just disappear for a week off of campus, I just didn't really talk about it. I think people knew. Um, So like, yeah, college wasn't really an issue because I just would disappear or I just like would be holed up in my dorm room. So I didn't really date that much in college. And then in my, um, like, I don't know, I just, I didn't put a lot of weight on dating because it just like, it just never seemed worth it to me. Like this is, I don't know when you have like this whole heavy side of you that you don't really talk about. I just didn't really put a lot of like work into a serious relationship because I was constantly battling something else in my life. Um, And when I would go on dates, I would choose the place and would choose, like I would always go to the same place because I knew they had (laughs) several stalls in their bathroom. And then I would get there early and would choose the um, the table closest to the bathroom. So that was like my little hack for when I would actually try to, <laughs> um, so, but then like, so I'm now married as you guys know, and we just celebrated our four year wedding anniversary. Wow. Oh, crazy. Wow. Um, so when we started dating, I, again, I had just moved to California. I mean, I met him a month after I moved to California, didn't know anybody. I was on this whole journey of figuring out my health and I was going on seven years with this diagnosis. And it was on our second date. I, I don't know if I had like planned this out in advance, but I had just gotten to the point where I was so tired of hiding it. Like, this is a huge part of my life. I'm just, I'm so tired of pretending that I'm this like perfectly normal, healthy girl. I like this guy. So he's going to figure it out eventually. And so we were at our, we were at my apartment watching a movie and I, I think I just blurted it out. You can ask him, but I like, (laughs) So there's something you need to know. I have an autoimmune disease called ulcerative colitis. I'm healthy 99% of the time, but when I'm not, this is what happens. This is how I feel. Um, like that's it. Like, this is me, (laughs) this is me, like take it or leave it. And I mean, it couldn't have been with a better person (laughs) to handle it with such like, 
grace and patience. Um, so they know my husband, but for those listening that don't, so Cody Fowler is a sports doctor and chiropractor. So he has like medical training. So he is possibly the best person to have like word vomited my medical history to. <laughs> like, I think if it was literally anyone else, that would be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Peace. Um, he was just like, oh, okay. And then went home, did his research, like figured it out. And then it wasn't even an issue. Like it never in our early years, like it, it just wasn't an issue. Like if I was sick, he was really understanding. And so like from that point on, I would say even until like present day. So let's say like when I'm sick, I'm really, really sick. Um, he's like super understanding, like understands like what I need. And part of that is I had to tell him like, so you, in the early, like early years of like him not knowing firsthand what this means and what this looks like, I had to share, like, this is how I feel. This is the level of pain that I'm in. This is what I'm able to do. This is what I'm, this is what, where I need support. And so present day, having been married and for four years and together for six ish, um, I, he checks in, like, how are you feeling today? And that is a true, like, it's not just, Hey, how are you? It's like, no, let's check in. How do you feel today? And I will have to give an honest answer. Like, you know what? I feel great today. And that's when he knows, Oh God, like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, I'm going to have to do things today. Um, tired, tired of the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just suppress you a little bit more. (laughs) having energy is like way too much. Um, but also on the other, in the other token, he super understanding when I just like, and I think he can usually tell by one look, like when I walk out of the bedroom, like whether it's a good day or not, I can just, if I'm dragging like, okay, are you just tired or are you not good? And so I can, so it's, it's in short, it's all about communication. So either he asks or I tell or both like how I'm feeling and just having that really open line of communication really, really helps. And also communicating, like, what do I need? Do I just need to lay on the couch? Like, do I have the energy to cook? Probably not. So like in 2020, when he wasn't working, he, and I was so sick, he cooked all of our meals, which was fantastic because I just physically couldn't do it. So he cooked all of our meals. He cleaned our apartment a lot. He walked Kona. So I was just down for the count. Um, Wow. Cody never cleaned for me. What the fuck? (laughs) I know. I saw your apartment. (laughs) 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 Ashley, we need to talk about that apartment. Oh my gosh. I think I'm living it. So it's fine. (laughs) I think I know. Let's not not talk about that apartment. (laughs) Anyway, I, what I was thinking is, it sounds like, like you even said, Holly, like Cody couldn't be more of a better person to be able to be like your partner with what you have experienced. And it's all rainbows and butterflies and maybe it really is. But what about your clients that are struggling in partnerships, don't have um, a partner that has any 
background of their own where they could come and, and, and even uh, try to understand. So, I mean, I, I don't know which direction I was going to go. I was going to try to probe further and say, it sounds like Cody is very, very understanding and incredibly supportive, but does he ever have those moments? Like what, what might it be where he's like, okay, like I'm not superhuman. And, and, and so that was kind of like wanted to go that way, but I also wanted to know what do you, how does this factor into your work with your clients? So that's a really good question. I'm trying to think what it is that gets to him. I think, like I mentioned earlier, it's communication. So I think for me and what would get to him most is not communicating. So anything that I don't communicate that if I can't, if I can't do something that day, but I don't share with them, like I just couldn't do it. And it's usually like, well, why didn't you just tell me then I could have done X, Y, and Z. He may have a different answer, but, um, I would say that that's a lot of what, um, what I would perceive to be the issue. And also from my perspective and something that I've had to work through is the perception of being the perfect wife or the perfect partner because having an autoimmune disease, well, also the perfect partner doesn't exist. Let's just say that. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) except Tyler, Tyler, I'm sure is, is, is perfect. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He, I know he was going there considering that joke. Yeah. I got something caught in my throat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, something I had to work through in 2020 when I was like, just sick with no end in sight. I mean, a year and a half of just being down and out is not good for the soul or the mind and not, and I had to get over the fact that I didn't feel like I could support my husband or that I like, wasn't doing enough. Like I couldn't clean. I couldn't cook dinner. I couldn't take the dog for a walk. Like there were just so many things I couldn't physically do that. I just felt like I was failing as a partner. Um, I mean, I could barely do my nine to five job and like show up remotely on my laptop. That was the bare minimum of what I I could do. And so I just had to get over that idea of like, I'm, cause I felt like I was just, I was just a body. Like I am a person I am here, but I like, I'm literally like, I'm, I'm not worth anything right now because I'm trying my, my hardest to heal, but like all of these extra things I just can't do. And so I think a lot of, um, that comes from me and I was, you know, will project like what, I don't know what Cody was thinking. I'm sure he wasn't thinking that I'm not the perfect wife, but that's coming from me and how I perceived that situation to be. And And I mean, that goes with the second question of helping my clients go through that as well. Um, Feeling like they can't do all of the things or show up in the way that they maybe want to in the world right now. And so a lot of what we talk about is like, how can you have this 
acceptance somewhat of like what your current reality is and like doing what you can with what you've been given in this current day. And just know that like the future won't look like this. Like there is like a bright future, but right now it, you just have to do what you can, whether that's like, I don't know, just like sipping on bone broth and watching Netflix. Like if that's all that you can do today to help your body, like take it one day at a time, one day with your partner at a time, keep communicating, keep showing up as much as you can, but just know that like, you won't always be this way. Like you will be able to cook dinner. Like you will be able to go for walks and enjoy time with your significant other. Um, but it's, it's just going to look a little different right now because you are fighting this illness. Well, what that highlights. I love that. That was amazing right there. Yeah, it it was. And what that highlights for me that I think is a theme, even through other areas that we've talked about is for me, how I perceive your angle of health coaching is that it's a very approachable um, health protocol because sometimes it's like, people are like, oh, you want to be better at this? Or you don't want to be bloating anymore? Do this thing every day, do this thing every day. And it's like, people, are, and, and, and it's like, there's all this shit I got to do every day in all these different categories of life. And, and a lot of times there's like this projection of being perfect and doing it all. And obviously with, you know, what you've explained with your autoimmune is that, you can't do it all all the time. So naturally you are going to have this perspective of it's not always perfect. And sometimes I, I need some medication for support. And sometimes I do a little bit of this and I pull back on that. And so for me, the word for, for you is that it's very approachable and it's easily digestible, which is a funny pun. <laughs> Maybe you can put it on your website somewhere like health coaching that's easily digestible. No, um, don't listen to her. Don't listen to her. Uh, um, I you for all my marketing. <laughs> please don't. Um, yeah. No, it's the worst. But uh, yeah, but for me, that that is, I think, um, a big highlight. And um, I just wanted to ask if there was anything else that is like huge for you that you want to add to the conversation or say before I have my last final staple question. Um, I don't think I have anything else. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that because that is really what my goal for it is, is just showing that you don't have to be perfect. Like you're not perfect. So like, you're not going to be able to like do all of the things all of the time, like choose one and start there. And that's how I approach it with my clients is like, you don't have to like have the, like, you can't expect yourself to know all of this all at once and do it all perfectly. Like, let's start with this. Let's start with adding more nutrient dense foods in your diet, or even like smaller, like let's start with adding a vegetable to dinner and let's go from there. So taking it really bite-sized so that, because if you get overwhelmed and if like these people on Instagram that say like, you have to do all of these things to feel the best like you get overloaded and then you end up doing none of that. (laughs) And you're like, well, screw it. I'm just going to go get my Starbucks Frappuccino and call it a day. Um, So that's not what I'm about. Like I would rather than make one tiny micro change 
a day or a week than to not to feel overwhelmed and not do anything at all. Um, so thank you. That was, that is the goal. Oh, I um, love it. What a great place to cap it on. Cause it's kind of like, like you're saying, it's kind of the theme of, of your style of how you approach your work. So I think actually that was quite a great place to round it all up to Tyler. Is it okay if I ask our final question or is there anything else pertinent Go for it, darling. Okay, cool. So our staple question for you, Holly, is what is the most inspiring journey that you've been on in life? And you can take that in any direction that you want. And you can mention multiple if you want, but an inspiring journey. Oh, man, that's a good question. I I don't. And don't pressure yourself that you have to find the most, whatever comes to mind that is notable. (laughs) So I will say the most transformational other than my health, which we've already talked about, that's the most life altering, but I think choosing to study abroad in Spain rewrote everything that was kind of written out for me for my future. And before that, I had not been out of the country. Nope, I lied. I went on one mission trip to India, which is a whole other story. But India was my first trip outside of the country. Round two. (laughs) Um, Definitely. But I, so I studied abroad in Spain, went by myself at 20 years old and didn't know anybody and spent four months studying and living on the coast of Spain. And that to this day is like the most, I've had incredible journeys. I've moved to California. I've done all of these things, started my own business, but that really started it all where I realized there was another way for me. Like people, I learned, I um, met people from outside of the Southeast. Whereas before I didn't know anyone from outside of the Southeast. Like I thought that everybody was, I mean, I knew that every, not everybody <laughs> was Southern, but I thought that like the way that we lived was the way everyone else lived. And it's not necessarily bad, but it was really like life altering to learn and like meet really cool people from other parts of the world, other parts of the country, and just realize like, there's so much more to see and do. And it just expanded my horizons. I mean, not to sound cliche, but it just set me on a different path to figure out what it is that I actually wanted to do and not what the culture around me was telling me to do, to find a husband and get married right outside of college at 22 years old, have babies by 23 and like be settled down with the house, which there is nothing wrong with that. I think that's commendable, but I just knew that there was something else out there for me and studying abroad in Spain really gave me that license, license to explore it. I love that answer. I love it. And I hope that as things shift in the world, people are able to be inspired by, by what you've said and, and travel and, and expand their own horizons. And I've really, uh, surprisingly loved our conversation today. Um, I really am excited to, um, just even get a chance to be a part of 
the beginning of your journey and helping to spread the word of what you are doing and what you're all about. And I really appreciate you taking the time to have this really fun conversation with us and be so transparent about your journey. Um, even everything down to the diapers. I mean, I was going to ask you, tell me more about the diapers, but I'll leave it there. Maybe next time we'll talk more about diapers. Um, (laughs) but thank you, Holly. Tyler, do you want to say anything? super appreciative of you and your journey and the way you're showing up you have a a really potent energy and it really it it energizes me so I like spending any amount of time I get with you and um yeah we're here we're here in support of you as well so anything that we could do for you or show any way we could show up for you we're here for you ah I love you guys this was so much fun I want to do this again can we do this again we will We'll totally do it again for sure. Um, cool. On that note. Um, oh, actually, Holly, real quick. Tell us where people can find you. Give Plug it. Plug it all in. So my website is kaleidoscopenutrition.com. And that is spelled like ulcerative colitis. So C-O-L-I-T-I-S-C-O-P-E nutrition.com. And my Instagram is Halls Fowler, H-O-L-L-S-F-O-W-L-E-R. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes, girl, because this is legit over here. Okay, cool. Thank you, Holly. (laughs) Thanks. Bye.